the love of Jesus that is in this place this morning. The love, acceptance, and forgiveness that you give us, Lord, no matter what we see, no matter what we feel this morning, no matter what situations we're walking through, we know that with you, there is no limit. With you, when God is in it, there is no limit. I pray today, Lord, there be no limit, no limit in any life in this room to what God will do. And I thank you that we will believe. We will believe what you say, not what we see today in this house, that our hearts will be encouraged, that our, our thinking will be refreshed today, and that we will hear what the Spirit of God is saying, and we will do those things that you have put before us to do, and do it with joy, do it with increased strength, because of the power that works in us, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We'll give God another praise this morning. He is worthy. You are strengthened because God has strengthened you from the inside out. Amen. You may be looking tired on the outside, but your spirit man's standing like this, ready to go, whatever God's got. Let's say our confession together this morning. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read to you this morning before we begin our message. Um, it's really part of the message, but what um, Pastor Kelly said in when she led us out of worship today, in Ephesians, that same scripture, uh, back when I was by myself, 1979, long time ago, God was healing my life, and he took me through this uh, prayer, actually, in Ephesians three fourteen through 21, and it was that you would... I would understand that, and you would understand the scriptures to teach us that we have a father, and it's God, and we are his children, and he loves us. And sometimes that love is hard to understand, and sometimes based on the fact of people being loved, uh, they're not doing everything or believing God for everything because they're looking at how they love themselves, not how God loves us. And God loves us all the time. And so I would pray this prayer over myself that I would know the height and depth and length and breadth of God's love. And God said to me, I'm going to pour in my love and it will heal you and all the fear will come out. But when I got to this scripture in verse 20, now all glory to God who is able. And all of a sudden it was like, well, God is able to fix all of this. He can, he can do all these things that I can't do myself. But I went on and read, through his mighty power at work within us. Well, that power is the Holy Spirit. It's inside every one of us. It says to accomplish infinitely. Everybody say infinitely. Now, what that word infinitely means, without limits. There's nothing that God cannot do. There's nothing that we cannot do. We can accomplish all things infinitely without any limit without he's going to cause that to happen he is able to make that to happen more than we could ask or think that's that's pretty big picture there more than we could ask or think even things that you can't think of today god is able to do that in your life without any limit everybody say without limits you know, um, all of us understand limits. You know, some of us understand speed limit better than others. But we all understand there's limits that are set on things. But with God, it's infinite. That means there's no end to it. There's, there's no end to what God can do in your life. Everybody say, thank God. Thank God. And today we're going to talk about um, 
we're going to actually talk about an election, but it's not the election that you're all thinking about, uh, that we're all seeing. How many of you found on the television set right now, there's just one commercial after another, after another, after another, explaining why you should vote for this person or that person, and all the promises. Everybody say this, promises. They're all, all these things that people are sharing with us are based on promises that they're making, that they, they will do this and they will do that, and they, they're, they're going to do this and they're going to do that. You know, I've learned in my many years here of voting and, and seeing candidates that they say a lot of things that they cannot do. They say a lot of things that they will not do. But they say all those things in hopes that we will believe. Everybody say believe. And when we believe, then we'll choose that candidate or that person to be the one that we put our focus on or that we, we, we give the deciding vote, at least from our advantage point. We vote and say, okay, I choose you. Well, I want to tell you something. God chose Jesus from the very beginning, to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords over all things. Everybody say all things. And that election has already been held. That election was held, and and Calvary, it was settled. That's where, actually, it all became real. And I want to take you through some things today. Everybody say um, election by grace. You know, I'm, I'm going to vote. In fact, I already did vote. Um, and we, my husband and I went and voted. I believe every one of us should vote. And I would say to you as your pastor, if we don't vote, then we're saying we're not going to take the opportunity to do what God's given us to do, which is to have a say-so in who's running our country or running those things. And, and later on, you may say, well, I don't want any of these people. Well, God knows who to vote for. Everybody say, God knows. And because you belong to God, he can show you those things. And I want to show you why today. God has elected officials. And those elected officials in the earth are you and me. Could I say that again? Because <laughs> all of you didn't get near as excited as I thought you might. An official, you know, I went to a basketball game last night. And they had officials in that game. They blow the whistle. And they say what it is. And that's what it is. You know, it doesn't matter whether the player thinks they fouled him or didn't foul him. If they blew the whistle and said it's a foul, it's a foul because those are officials. You know, they're in those ballgames running up and down. Well, you are an elected official in the earth today. Now, isn't that good? Everybody say, well, thank God. You know, you didn't even know that, did you? You are an elected official because of what Calvary did through the blood of Jesus Christ, all authority in heaven and on earth, has been delegated to God's elect. Amen? Now I'm going to show you how this works. Isaiah 42, 1 and 9, we're going to look at first. This is Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. And this was God's word. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one. Everybody say elect. Elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Now, uh, before this, you know, the Jewish people were God's special treasure. That's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, that God chose them. They were his chosen people and they became a nation which we identify as the Jewish nation and so these people were God's own people well you know the Bible says in Hebrews that he made a covenant with us and he said I will be your God and you will be my 
people. Well, in this case, this is one of, and of many prophecies about Jesus. But in Isaiah 42, 1, 9, it goes on to say, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things. Everybody say new things. New things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you them. Well, in John chapter 16, it says, once the Holy Spirit lives in us, the Holy Spirit will tell us things to, things to come. Now, why do, why are we in this? Because of grace. Everybody say grace. We have been engrafted, so to speak, into this family of God through grace. But now we are the elect. Everybody say the elect. See, you're, you're. The elect, Jesus was the elect. The elect is a, uh, the elect means someone who's been chosen but is not in office yet. In other words, once the election takes place, they take their position. Well, the grand election of all elections happened on Calvary. When Jesus died on that cross, it was done. He was in office, he became the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We, by the election of grace, by what Jesus did, have been brought into a position. Now, our final reward will be heaven. In other words, that's, you know, that's the once and for all. That's, that's where we're all going. But while we're in this earth, just like Jesus, when he was the elect, the powers and principalities were subject to him. Everybody say, yay. yay. You're not getting this. going to have to get far more excited than this. Okay, let me tell you this. Um, Easter for the Christians was back in the end of March. But Easter today in the Greek is resurrection. This is resurrection. Passover was last week for the Jews. Of course, they don't celebrate resurrection. But the Greeks, all of their Passover, their Good Friday, their, their ended at sundown last night, their, their actual Sabbath ended last night. And this is resurrection time. Amen. So all things are new. All things are new. All things are new. And I felt like the Lord said, all these messages he's been giving us since the first of the year have been bringing us to a place where all things are new. In other words, we are starting something new today. Now, you can't see it. I can't see it. But I believe it. Because God has taken me through the scriptures and he's brought me to this place. Now, he's had me reading Joshua. Well, you know, when Joshua took over, all things became new. That they had been uh, a people who were maintaining by their own choice, by the way. Uh, they chose to disobey God. And when they disobeyed God, they went into maintenance mode. Everybody say, don't go there. Because God is always going forward. It's not over. It's just beginning. That's what Calvary was. That's where we live every day. We get to live this every day. In other words, his mercies are new every morning. We get up, it is a new day. But I believe in the spirit, there are new things that God is bringing forth. I believe they're coming. I believe we're going to see some of those things. I know some things that Pastor Bill and I have been participating in lately and been asked to participate in, and they are new. Everybody say new. And they're going to bring new things. So as God has told us, something good is going to happen to you. This is a year of fulfillment. Something good is going to happen to you. Then he gave us the messages, but you'll be in over your head. 
turn to your neighbor and say, oh, yes, hallelujah, in over your head. Okay, and then he said, but you're better together. Amen? So he brings unity. And then he says, resurrection. Amen? Uh, you need to believe this for your family. You need to believe it for your house. Because new things require new ways. And new ways require us getting in agreement with God. But the good news is God's going to do it. I, I read the book of Joshua this month. And when Joshua took those people in, God said to them, if you obey me, I will defeat all your enemies. And he did. You know, I mean, that first battle of Jericho was just a bunch of shouting. Well, first it was a bunch of silence right before the shout. And right now, I believe it looks like the church is silent. If you look around, the church doesn't seem to be saying anything, but I bet they're about to shout. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm about to shout. And I believe God, I, I felt really stirred to give this message. In fact, I had said to my husband, why don't you preach this first Sunday? I mean, I've been doing this for a while. The people love to hear from you. So he goes out, he calls me, he goes, I'm falling asleep out here praying. I can't, I don't hear any kind of message. And I felt like God said, <laughs> I felt like God said to me, stop looking for somebody to give the word that I've given you. Amen. And I felt like he said, I choose who I give the message to. And it's not male or female. It's not 16 or 82. It has to do with what God wants. End of story. And I believe we are about to see a mighty move of God. It looks, it looks in the news. I mean, I have never heard people say such ridiculous, awful things about each other in a presidential election. I mean, they look the fool. I mean, they do. And, you know, when, as soon as you hear that Putin's for somebody, you want to look out, you know, because Putin isn't for America. You know, I'm thinking, well, who's going to do? So but you can't go by what people are saying. The election is settled. The only election that pertains to you and me that really has to do with us eternally and doesn't have to do with temporal is the election at Calvary. And that's done. And the election of you being a part of what that is. Now, are we to vote? Yes. Are we to vote what God tells us? Yes. We are commanded to do that because we are the children of God. It says in Matthew 24, 31, that uh, when this thing is all settled, you know, the rapture of the church is coming. And it says he will send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet and they will gather together his elect. Now, who, who, who would that be? That's the church. That's the church. That's, we are the elect. And so we have this position, just like Joshua had, to possess. Everybody say possess. Now, there are ways we possess, and the way we possess everything is by believing that God is who he says he is. Just exactly what Kelson said this morning. What Brother Hagin said, we live by faith and not by sight. And so we begin to take what God tells us to take in the sec in the situation we're in. In Romans 11, I want to show you this because it's important. Um, it's, it, of course, Romans is a book all about what, who we are in Christ. And it says in 11.5, I want to read this. Even so then, and this is, you know, God saying, um, the, the children of Israel rejected Jesus, but God is saying that's not forever. And he said, there is a remnant. Everybody say a remnant. There was a remnant that by the election of grace, 
were delivered. Election of grace. Everybody say election of grace. Now, the only thing that brought grace in to the earth was Jesus. What he did at Calvary released God's grace to all of us. His ability, his, his unmerited favor. That means even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. So it was unmerited. But because of Jesus, we can have the blessing of being forgiven, of walking free from all those things. So that not only this remnant, according to the election of grace, and if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. In other words, I believe that we, we live by grace. You know, we've been saved, it says, uh, by faith through gr the grace of God. The grace of God is what gives us the ability to believe what I'm telling you today. It's not who we are in the natural. It's who we are by the Spirit. This election has nothing to do with our natural ability. It has to do with our spiritual authority. Everybody say spiritual authority. It's not our natural ability that's going to do what needs to be done in the earth. That's why tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to pray. Do you know when we pray, I heard somebody say this, when we pray, we, we invite God into, uh, we go into God's presence to pray. But when we worship, he comes into ours. Well, on Sunday night, we do both. We worship and then we pray. And even the children worship. The children pray because we're teaching them and letting them participate in what will bring change, not just what they can see right here, but they see it later as they grow up. So they're, they're learning to be in this place where we're called to be because we are God's elected officials. Everybody say, that's me. I should have got you all a little badge for today. God's elected official. Now, listen, you can't go to the polls on Tuesday and ask them to add your name to the ballot because it's not that kind of thing. You're not an elected official, official in the earth as far as the natural, but you are an elected official spiritually, which is a higher authority, by the way, than what's in the natural. But we take that authority through prayer. We take that authority through our actions, through speaking, through being boldly who God's called us to be. And I believe the church is about to make a shout. Joshua said at the very end, he said, not one word that God has told us has failed. They did not lose any battle that God told them to go into. They did lose one battle. That was the battle they went into without asking God. But as officials, as officials of God, elected officials in the earth, as long as we're asking God and God is telling us what to do, then we have authority to accomplish that in the earth. And I believe we're about to see God do miraculous things. How many of you need miracles in your family? Yeah, I, I need to see miracles in my family. I need to see miracles in my neighbors, some of my neighbors, you know, this will overcome dandelions. Wouldn't that be great? Hallelujah. We had a house next door that nobody lived in. And I thought, those dandelions are not coming into my yard because nobody mowed it. Well, you think that's a silly thing. Well, listen, if you can't get control over a dandelion, you know, it's going to be a little more difficult when you get to the real lion. Hallelujah. Oh, that's so good. Hallelujah. Okay. God has a sense of humor, you know. Second uh, Peter. Let's look at Second Peter. This is what it says. Now, I've heard all kinds of promises on the news. 
I mean, I've heard some promises that I thought, well, I, even I know they can't do that. Hallelujah. Everybody say there is a constitution. You know, there is a basis for everything in this nation. And um, in Second Peter, first verse, Simon Peter, the bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, he was an elected official. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those are your credentials, the righteousness of God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as divine, as his divine power has been given to us all. Things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by virtue and glory, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. These are true promises. These are promises that God has made that are based upon blood, a covenant with Jesus Christ. And they're not, they're not promises just thrown out there. That through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then it goes on and it says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, everybody say all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Now this verse, verse eight, for if these things are yours and abound, all these things abound in your life, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call an election. Everybody say election. Sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Everybody say glory to God. Now, how would you like to have a candidate that could say all that? Amen? I believe it's possible. But it's only possible if we grow up. We grow up in the knowledge of God and begin to make a decision. I am an elected official. So I need, you know, elected officials act with integrity, with dignity, speak with authority. And it is like E.F. Hutton. When they speak, everyone listens. When this word speaks... Everyone listens. You notice it's been around a lot longer than any other book. Why? Because it's the integrity of God Almighty. It's truth. And it cannot be defeated. We operate based on this book. Thank God we have a constitution in our nation. But we have a higher law. It's this. Now, we are one of the blessed nations of the world, us and Israel, because our God is God. Amen. And our constitution was based upon this word. Now, I believe it's time for us to take back what belongs to God. Everybody say, I'm a possessor. And, you know, we, you may not necessarily be in a position today to, you know, to run for an office like what we will do this week in voting in Indiana. We have become a real uh, focus for this election. Have you noticed that? We have become like the all-important state. And uh, today at 2.30, uh, Ted Cruz will be out at Faith, if you want to go hear him, 2.30 to 4, I think. But I want to tell you, this nation 
is not dependent on a Republican, a Democrat, an independent, a libertarian. It is dependent on the body of Christ. The nation is depending on the body of Christ to rise up and take our official position. Everybody say official position of declaring over this country who it is, who God created it to be. That's, those are orders from headquarters. God has issued that command because this is his nation. This was called a nation to bless. Are we the people who bless? We are the church. The church, we are the blessed. Turn your neighbor and say, I am blessed. I mean, when the devil tells you you're not, you say, I am blessed. I am blessed because I belong to God. And so this is important. It's time for us to cast a vote, I believe, as a church, uh, way beyond what we've ever cast before. Uh, I believe it's time for us to stand back up and say, we demand the liberty that is in Christ Jesus. Devil, get your hands off of the United States of America. See, you think that's going to your friend that's going to vote Democrat or Republican, whichever one you didn't want, and say, you need to do what's right. I'll tell you where it starts. It starts in heaven. As it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. We have to cast a vote. Joshua said to the people, as for me and my house, he made them cast a vote at the end of capturing that, all that land. Once God had given it to him, he said, okay, now this is the deal. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. That's not what the Bible says. But, you know, basically, okay, this is how it's going to be. As long as you obey God, as long as you choose God, this land is going to be yours. If you don't choose God, then this land, you're not going to be living in it. The God, the God of the universe is still going to own the land. You just don't get to live there. Well, the United States of America belongs to God. And so we have to choose this day whom we will serve. Well, as for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. And I know you may be in a position over the years we've had bad presidents. I mean, we have. Over the years, we've had good ones. We're still here by the grace of God. Amen? So it's not a president that's going to make a difference. I'm totally convinced it's the church. It is our finest hour. Turn your name and say, yay us. <laughs> yay us. This is our time to rise up and begin to speak what God wants to speak over this nation. And you may say, oh, I don't see how it can ever get better. Well, that's not my decision. I believe it will be better because God says that he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. In Revelations 1, would you put that scripture up for me? You know, the devil thinks he's in charge, but he's not. He may have deceived a lot of people. Uh, we're going to share on deception in this church. I'm not sure when, but there's a lot of it out there. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler. Everybody say the ruler. Over the kings of the earth. Could I say that again? Over the kings of the earth. He is the ruler over all the kings of the earth. I had never really paid attention to that because I go on to, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Then it says, and has made us kings and priests to his God and father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
Well, I always think about that, that, you know, we're, and I believe God just shared this with me. I know there's kings and there's priests. In fact, a, a good friend, Bill Winston, up in, up in Chicago, wrote a book a long time ago, Kings and Priests, that the kings are the ones that supply the finances, and the priests are the people that are doing the actual hands-on laying, doing those things. But I want to tell you, Jesus Christ was king of kings and lord of lords. He was a king, and he was a priest. And that's, who we're, that's whose image we're made in. So we are kings and priests. We get all the wealth to tell how it's going to be, and we tell how it is spiritually. Don't get too excited out there because, you know, you might get a bundle today. You don't know what God's liable to put in your hands. You are a king and a priest. I, I, I believe the word of God. Do you believe the word of God? It says right there, we have been appointed kings and priests. That means we speak to the situations and circumstances. I want you to look at these two scriptures and put them on your fridge. Proverbs 21, 1 and Proverbs 29, 2. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. That means the kings of the earth are still under God's rulership. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. That righteousness in authority there does not necessarily mean in government. It just means ruling. Well, my Bible says in Romans that we rule and reign with him in the earth. So when we're reigning, everybody say reigning. Now, that doesn't mean we go to church on Sunday at 11. That's not reigning. Reigning is when we begin to take authority over situations and circumstances that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and we begin to declare what God declares when we do that there is no limit why because when God is in it there is no limit and it's not over it's not over amen I'm excited I don't think it's over for anybody in this room amen I think that I think we're just beginning I think we're just beginning and so when we cast our vote it says in Ephesians 4 1 to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness gentleness long-suffering bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace the in second chronicles it says if my people who are called by my name would you put that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves that doesn't mean that we are just worthless that means we submit ourselves to God and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a candidate who said, listen, bottom line to all this, if we all pray, if we all humble ourselves, instead of standing up here saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and that guy can't do this and they could never do that. Instead of all of that, just if my, if my people, we are all God's people, let's pray. Let's humble ourselves. I'm sure that things would change in this nation. I know it will change in our lives if we take that position. We may not have control of the nation yet, but we have control of our destiny in Christ and what God's called us to be. So if we humble ourselves and pray, it says in Philippians 3, we press toward the goal. Now, I'm going to give you four things that I believe it was at the end of my um, teaching on Joshua. I read through the Bible some in a, a Bible with uh, John Maxwell. He's, a, he's one of the leading people today in our country teaching on leadership. Um, but he went through the Bible and he took all the different leaders in the Bible and he spoke 
to their attributes, also to their weaknesses. And it's, it's just really good to teach, I think, from. But these last four things uh, were, were his comments on what Joshua did to be the leader. And incidentally, he made it all the way through. He was a leader that did exactly from the day he started fighting the battle for Moses when Moses' hands had to be lifted, remember, and, and because they lifted his hands, he won. The guy fighting the battle was, Mo, was Joshua leading that fight. From there all the way through to the end, Joshua accomplished what God told him to accomplish. So he's a good example. This is what it says. Live above our contemporaries. That's what we have to do. What does that mean? That means you live with a vision greater than the people you run with. Now, that's real simple, but you've got to be able to see what other people can't see that are running right with you. In other words, you see what God sees and not what the world sees. You're not seeing what everybody's saying, and there's certainly a lot being said. You see ahead of that. You can see what God's doing beyond what everybody else is seeing. Live above your circumstances. We cannot live under our circumstances. How many of you have heard people say, well, under the circumstances... You know, under the circumstances, well, we're not under the circumstances. The Bible says that we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. That's what the Word of God says. It also says in Ephesians 2, 6, that we're seated in heavenly places. That means we see things from a different perspective. Therefore, our circumstances are subject to change. Amen? They're temporal. And then live deeper than your calamities. This is the one that I believe today we really need to focus on. And, and I want to pray today. Living deeper than your calamities. Everybody experiences things in their life that are calamities. We had a young couple in our church first service this morning. And the entire service from the time they got here till they left, they cried. They are in the midst of a calamity. But at the end of the service, they gave their hearts to Jesus. I believe that things are going to be reversed and that calamity is going to be turned for them. But it was, it's a calamity. I don't know what it is, but you could tell by their brokenness that this is not just somebody didn't like me. This is not just uh, this just little thing happened. These, everybody say calamities. This is like when the planes flew into the Twin Towers. This is like calamities you have to live deeper what does that mean there has to be a root in you that's stronger a root in you that says no matter what i see no matter what i feel no matter what others say no matter who it looks like is in charge my god is able to do exceeding abundantly he is able to go to infinity to get what i need to make this thing work. And that's living deeper than your calamity. I shared, you know, my sister, my, my brother-in-law, just a year ago in March, his hands just swelled a little bit. We didn't know what was wrong. They went, he went to several doctors. They, they just thought he had arthritis or something. I mean, in, in nine months, he was in heaven because he really had lung cancer. Nobody, we didn't catch it. And, and he went on to heaven. I don't understand why he wasn't healed right here. But I will not. And my sister will not. We live deeper than that calamity. Now, do we have days where we miss him? And I know my sister, you know, there's days. But I'm telling you, she said, what else is there to do? We go forward. It's not over. 
when God is in it, there is no limit. I live deeper than my calamity. I live deeper than the thing I don't understand. I live deeper than this election that's going on in the United States of America right now. I live deeper than that. God knows what's going on. I may not know, but he doesn't. If I listen, he will tell me what's my part. And that's all I'm responsible for. And in Jesus' name, God is still going to be on the throne next January 20th. Amen. Or whenever it is that they give that inaugural speech. It will still be Jesus who is the elected one, the elected one, the one who is one. And the last one, live beyond your capabilities. Let's stand. T- turn to your neighbor and say, you need to live beyond your capabilities. <laughs> you know, none of us today in this room uh, have, or I guess I want to say it this way. We all in this room have capabilities today that we did not have 20 years ago. You know, I have more money now to do things for my grandchildren than I did for my children. My children don't like that idea as much as my grandchildren do. Hallelujah. But it's the truth. It's the truth. I have lived long enough. I have worked and done things. And I, you know, you know, I'm in a position, you know, where a lot of things, I don't have those, those things that I had when my children were young to deal with on a daily basis. And so I'm freer now to do those things. I'm freer now spiritually than I was 20 years ago because I have grown and God takes us from glory to glory to glory. Wherever you are today, start where you are, but you are God's elected official. You are an elected official. It's already been settled. When Calvary happened, it happened for you. And you became the elect the minute you said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Amen. I'm expecting new things. Are you expecting new things?